The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's What's an engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out and save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to talk about building an SEO agency and where SEO should sit in your organization. Joining us is both Justin Abrams and Michael Rispoli, who are the co-founders of Cause of a Kind, which is a creative collective and boutique digital agency for business entrepreneurs and innovators. Cause of a Kind provides creative direction, marketing, and web development services to organizations with missions supporting environmental and social responsibility. Yesterday, Justin, Michael, and I talked about the importance of the SEO-first developer mentality. And today we're going to continue the conversation talking about why SEO SEO is the digital epicenter and voice of the consumer. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Justin Abrams and Michael Rispoli, co-founders of Cause of a Kind. Justin, Michael, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast. Great to be back. Excited to have you both back on the show. Excited to continue our conversation Yesterday, we talked about the relationship between SEOs and their developer and how SEOs can not only think about what the community, what the algorithm wants, they also need to think about how to communicate with the development team to make sure that they understand when they're experimenting and when they're really doing something that they know has a true business impact. Today, I want to turn the table and talk a little bit about SEO, the consumers, and how developers can help that process as well. Justin, let's start off with you. Talk to me a little bit about why you think that SEO is the digital epicenter and voice of the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the digital epicenter is not a a new topic at all, but I think placing SEO at the digital epicenter is probably a little bit of a new concept. When we start thinking about full channel digital strategy, all acquisition opportunities, all channels, 
you know, the idea of research and big data has to be considered. So whether you're running a PPC campaign or commercial or display advertisement or an email strategy, the data is available for us to understand, again, what does our consumer audience actually expect from our business? Now, from an SEO first perspective, the largest collection of data that we have comes from Google, right? And that's not necessarily from analytics or anything like that. It's literally coming from search volume. Right? Like what are people actually looking for and what are the brands in the positions to actually provide those valuable solutions, services, and products that we all have come accustomed to consume in one way or another. And when you start thinking about SEO as the digital epicenter, we start to think about the idea of demand influencing the rest of the digital strategy. Now, that can come from your full marketing strategy, from you know the way that you're uh, doing your branding and merchandising, but it can also come from the technical arm, right? And it piggybacks really nicely off of what we were talking about yesterday, which is that SEO-first developer's mentality, right? So being a developer, but taking a keen interest in SEO as an opportunity to push progression in the marketing strategy and the acquisition opportunity. So it's a nice, you know, associated conversation when we start thinking about and kind of uh, submit to the idea of SEO being at that digital epicenter and starting to utilize that data to influence change within an organization, you start to take into consideration the people, right? Like what does the human consumer expect from my brand and other brands that are already in my space? All that data is available to us as SEOs and needs to be compiled intelligently for a claim. I think there's two ways to bifurcate this conversation, which is what's the place that you can understand your consumers the most, right? What's the data source that helps you understand what you should be creating, where you live in the market, what your competitor said is, you know, SEO data is incredibly valuable for that. When I think of the digital epicenter for consumers, not necessarily consumer insights, consumer knowledge, but, you know, where they're interacting I struggle with SEO being the center. I think that people probably start their searches often with Google. Maybe you can make the argument that, you know, mobile apps are the epicenter. You know, the mobile device experience is is really important. But when I think of what the epicenter of the, you know, consumer experience is, my head goes to, well, that's your website, right? Like that's where people are actually experiencing the brand, not just finding the brand. You know, Mike, help me reconcile this. You know, when you're thinking about what the value of the data from SEO is and then what the consumer is actually looking for, you know, how do you sort of think about which one to prioritize and what makes the difference? Well, I think we kind of touched on this in the last episode just slightly. But for me, I actually think going back to that idea that the algorithm is designed to give the consumer what they want and the data we get is the way that we figure out what they want. So when I'm designing a website or building a, or we're like, let's go back to the design phase because this even starts happening in the design phase. It's like, we need to give the consumer what they want. How do we know that? A lot of people start designing from personas and they, they get a bunch of creatives in a room, maybe some developers. And we start thinking about things that we can make that would engage people and, and make, you know, and then we look at performance and speed. But sometimes when we look at the data that already exists on maybe their existing site, what we're calling SEO is really what is working and what is not working. What do the consumers definitely not want from your brand at this current moment? And what is actually do they want? And what are they looking for in other brands like your competitors? So this is actually great for smaller businesses is to even look at competitor data and say, and you know, whatever you can get to say like, well, what are they looking for? What do they care about? 
So it, the SEO at the center like drives our beginning process because we have to start with who are these people that are going to be on the website? And SEO actually tells us that. And a lot of times we forget that because we get obsessed with the idea that SEO is a post-launch activity or an end of the development cycle activity. But really, SEO is really just the artifact left over of us doing a good job. That's the way I think of it. You know, when there's a lot of traffic coming to a site and people are doing a really, are enjoying the site, we did a good job. I mean, of course, the customer's product is great, right? That it helps that to be selling a great product because then, you know, you don't need anything really if you have a, a product people really want. But when it comes down to it, when you have a lot a tight competition and you have a lot of businesses doing the same thing and a customer can go anywhere, SEO tells us who's doing this best. Yeah, you know, I think that there's an important conversation to be had here, which is when do you start thinking about SEO? There's such powerful data and SEO is not only, you know, search is not only a data source, it serves as a marketing channel. It's a way that you can research and understand your customers. And increasingly now, Google is just taking the data and presenting it on their site. So it is the end experience. If you're buying an airplane flight, you're not going to United anymore. You're just probably going onto Google and searching for United flights. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. So talk to me about, you know, when you start thinking about building SEO and, and using the power of the data from SEO to start thinking about the customers. How do you build it from, you know, sort of soup to nuts, beginning to end? Yeah, I think, of course, it's developed through like a deep partnership with your development team, but you know, sometimes we don't have that buy-in at all. Sometimes we're like not able to even communicate directly with a development team at all. Sometimes we're like totally in project management land and like your ticket or claim may get picked up at some point or another. You know, I think the goal of applying SEO is happening as frequently as possible, right? Like SEO is this continuum. And lots of times we're getting stuck in like the traditional definition of SEO, right? Like optimizing a web experience to try and uh, you know, perform better within Google search results. I think that like a, as an ideology, that's fantastic for SEO. It also tells us whether we're doing everything else right, right? Like if the rest of our channel marketing strategy is performing well, organic should just naturally take a ride for it, right? All signals are created. 
if our time on site and like reducing bounce rate and like all of these other harder metrics that tell us about the user's experience, our higher conversions, our ability to generate revenue. If all of that is happening well, not only do you have a high quality product and service, but the development experience that that user is going through is also of high quality. Now, you said something, Ben, a moment ago, which like I just have to emphasize, which is you know, the cannibalization of Google. Google is running tests every single day. We know, we know that, right? And they're playing with, for example, the flights experience. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the best user experience, right? So a person may get frustrated on the Google checkout experience. It may not feel trustworthy because it is so new. It may be too bloated or too competitive. It's got ad space built into it. Like there's all sorts of different things that Google is building as far as their test continuum, which is all, of course, utilizing SEO first data. What do people want from all of these other aggregated sites? And can we do it better on the Google experience to limit the ability for somebody to have to click so deep for them to get burned by some type of airline website or experience a poor something? Oh, come on. Let's be honest. Can we take more of the market share? Of course. Not only in search, keep people on our site so we could serve more ads, but maybe at some point we'll get a referral fee from the airlines because we're booking so much <laughs> of it. This is a business case as much as it is user experience. Absolutely. And I'm certainly not in, uh, not in any type of position to support the Google initiative one way or another. For what it's worth, <laughs> I bought a flight recently through Google and never went to an airline website. Like it works. It's I'm, As a consumer, I'm happy, but they have a business motivation here too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I think the, you know, the development team that's working on that is crowdsourcing the information of what is working best on the existing websites, whether they're the airline brands themselves or the aggregator websites, and creating an experience after waiting for so long, letting everybody else be first to market, and then utilizing that data to create the frictionless, enjoyable Google-related experience that you are going through today. I think you bring up one more good point, though, in that whole statement, kind of one thing that we commonly see is clients wanting to spend a lot of money on design, a lot of money on development, not a lot of money on content. They're kind of thinking of how people are coming into their site and they're looking at the homepage and is there a click path to this? But they're not, a lot of times they're not thinking like people are constantly Googling. Google is always the entry path and customers may be re-entering your site from like Google to a product page, Google to one of your blog posts, Google to one of your podcasts. And we try and point that out, the content budget, you know, and this comes outside, you know, outside of my wheelhouse, which is development, but, but it is like, you need to have a content budget to support some of the great design initiatives you have. You don't know how many sites we've designed that are just beautiful. We've built them beautiful. We launched them to articles. <laughs> Filters don't work. Search doesn't matter. Pagination doesn't matter. <laughs> that feeds the problem, which is they look at the website and they say, 80% of my traffic comes from my homepage. It's like, because that's the only thing you have, right? <laughs> that's the only thing that ranks because you never built any content. And, you know, most of the time people are sitting here saying, hey, my homepage is 40% of my traffic. I really need to focus on that. In reality, it's like, yeah, but there isn't one article that's 40%. But when you add all the content you create up, it's like 60%. Yes, this is 100% true. <laughs> We're constantly looking at this idea of like trying to build these, like, you know, the designers really want to build these wow-inducing homepages. But unless your traffic is going to come from the Webby Awards, a lot of people don't even see the homepage. <laughs> they come across an article, they look at your brand, they go, what do they do? They click on the, and they're like, oh, 
they make this thing, but that article was really good. And, and then it's in the back of their mind and they'll come back another time. And so we try and point this out to people that like most of the things that are driving your business are typically the things that took the least design time. They took the least development time. It'll be like your blog page, which was probably like a day of design and a half a day of development. You're talking yourself out of a job here, Mike. You know, it turns out that, you know, just having a blog, which is kind of table stakes and be able to create some content is what's actually driving the most traffic and the most sort of uh, value for your brand. Why are we doing a homepage? What, what, what do developers do anymore? Ah, uh, yes. Well, we build a lot of user interfaces. We, we build a lot of software too. That's the, you know, there's a lot of tooling and stuff that we end up, and that's really where we want to spend our time is if you're selling a software product, we want to spend our time on building that product and technically a little bit less time sometimes on some of these, I want to say, you know, more flashy features. Sometimes you spend a lot of time on a flashy feature and then a user kind of comes to it and they don't even know what, you know, I have a story from a few agencies ago, a job I was working, we spent maybe three or four weeks on this really incredible touch-based feature kind of for web. And it took us a lot of time to get it to work and behave the way like an iPhone app would behave. And it got canned like three weeks later by the, I want to say marketing team, uh, because users just didn't interact with it. It just, it was beautiful. It worked really well, but the actual, it wasn't what the users were looking for in that moment. And so it's, it's sort of disheartening to think like, wow, we spent, you know, 75% of, of the budget on a feature that ends up getting canned. And so that's not good for developers either, right? It's as a developer, it's really cool to work on interesting problems, but it's also really cool when the people that you solve problems for succeed. You know, there's a flip side to that conversation. We spent 75% of our budget working on this thing that ended up in the trash can. We also spent 5% of our budget working on this thing that had this gigantic business impact, this one little feature that nobody thought about that was a throwaway and everybody uses it and loves it. Sometimes you you just get lucky. That is very, very true. It, it sometimes just happens that way and you're like, whoa, that's that's incredible. So to bring it back full circle, when you're thinking about developing, when you're thinking about the customer experience, what's the big strategy here to be able to pull out data from search to mitigate some of that risk? How do you figure out what the consumers want? How do you figure out what you should be building? So, you know, without plugging a particular vendor or solution, there's obviously many of them that are out there that you can utilize for data intelligence. And... As far as collecting data from the industry, especially from Google's opportunity, there's tons of solutions that are out there to help us understand size of the market, total addressable market, to help give us you know, aggregated insights and business intelligence tools. But I think you can do a really good job just by utilizing what is free and available within the Google suite, right? Like if you think about like Google Trends, for example, Google Trends gives us the ability to understand where is the current attention on a particular topic. So if you're, let's say, um, in a university sector and you're comparing programs, an MBA versus a nursing program, and you want to work on some of your marketing budget with your development team and try and make an improvement to one of those two categories, but we're not going to be able to stretch the budget across both, right? Maybe it's the Q3, Q4 initiative, but we need to figure out like, what do consumers spend their time actually researching? Is it nursing programs or MBAs? Now, if I figure out that, let's say there's 400,000 people a month looking for an MBA program and only 200,000 people per month looking for nursing, at the very first metric that I have, which is search volume or current demand coming from, from Google Trends, for example, I now have a piece of information that's like, irrefutable, right? It's to totally non-emotional coming from Google as the source telling me where is my consumer audience actually spending their time and attention. 
So would it be more lucrative after you have that data to spend our development budget in the MBA program making improvements towards, let's say, ClickFunnel or the buyer's journey or navigation or whatever else versus the nursing pathway? Right. So that's one source is using, you know, Google Trends as an available free option to include within your data experience. You know, there's tons of opportunities within the Google suite, right? If we're trying to communicate effectively about some type of long form blog experience and we're trying to do awareness level content and we're approaching maybe question and answer type conversations. Using Google's open source and developer tools, we can find out the schema and the markup and help nurture the development conversation to make sure that when they are optimizing the blog page for that Q3 budget opportunity, that they're injecting the correct signals so that a search engine can identify the initiative. Maybe you're utilizing Google Anonymous Ad Preview Tool to get a hyper-local understanding at the device type level of the keywords that you care about, the different aspects of your business or your product. If you're in startup land and you have something totally innovative, what are like the core features, the core topics or the conversation that's being had around this new idea, right? However brand new it is, somebody's probably talking about it somewhere within the web. So using some of these tools that are just generically available to us within the Google suite can help to just set this, you know, non-emotional data-backed momentum when communicating with the development team. At the end of the day, there are, a ton of tools and resources, whether it's the free stuff that's being included in the Google suite, whether you're using an enterprise SEO platform. The power of search data is something that not only can be used for your marketing practices, it can be used in your design research, it can be used in your development. Search is an incredibly powerful tool. Justin, Mike, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and telling us a little bit about your practice and a little bit about how you think about using search data to support the buyer journey and the customers. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ben, for having us. All right. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Justin Abrams and Michael Ruspoli, the co-founders of Cause of a Kind. If you'd like to get in touch with Justin and Michael, you could find a link to their LinkedIn profiles in our show notes. You can contact them on Twitter where their handle is Cause of a Kind, C-A-U-S-E-O-F-A-K-I-N-D. Or you could visit their company's website, which is causeofakind.com. They also have a new podcast that they're launching. It's called Strictly From Nowhere. Covers a little bit about the background of their agencies and talks about the startup agency life. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. But that's not the case anymore, thanks to Ahrefs, because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T.
Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to VoicesOfSearch.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also send us your topic suggestions or your SEO questions, and you can even apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on Twitter, and my personal handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing, insights in your podcast feed we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week so hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day all right that's it for today but until next time remember the answers are always in the data 